here tonight. Amen. All right. Well, if you uh, would, if you take your Bibles at this time, and we're going to turn to Hebrews in chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're turning there, if you're physically able to do so, would you please stand uh, for the uh, reading of God's Word out of respect and reverence for the Holy Word of God. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read just one verse uh, tonight and ish. <laughs> We're going to just read one verse to start with tonight. Uh, there'll be several others that we will look at tonight too. Thank you for that encouraging word there, brother. <laughs> Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to read this verse. We're going to read uh, Hebrews 11 and verse number 30. I'm going to read it um, first, and then we'll read it together uh, the second time, okay? So I'll read it by myself. You follow along silently, and then uh, we'll read it all together on the second time. So Hebrews 11:30. 30. Um, the Bible says this, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. After they were compassed about seven days. All right, ready, begin. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for your word. And uh, I pray, Lord, now as we consider this, uh, this event that took place uh, so many years ago, Lord, that we would learn lessons that we can apply to our lives today. And I pray that we would have open hearts um, and a willingness to, again, not just be good hearers of the word, but then good doers. May we apply the truth uh, to our lives. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, We started this series uh, some time ago at the beginning of the year, looking at uh, those in the grandstands of our lives that... Uh, the writer of Hebrews mentions in chapter 12 and verse number 1 where he says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. And he's referencing the Old Testament saints and the stories mentioned in Hebrews chapter number 11. And so we've been working our way down through this uh, chapter together, learning about these different men and women who uh, lived and made decisions by faith. We've looked at Abel, we've looked at Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and then we took quite a bit of time, the Bible does spend quite a bit of time looking at uh, here Moses, uh, verses 23 all the way down through uh, verse number 28, Uh, also 29, you can make a case that he was included in verse 29, he definitely was part of the uh, going through the Red Sea situation, but Um, So we've looked at all of these individuals, and now we come to really the group of people called the children of Israel who uh, made their way into the promised land, and in verse number 30, we come to the event here where the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And uh, you say, well, what does that have to do with faith at all? Uh, Well, we're going to look at that a little bit. Uh, tonight. The title of the message tonight is A Strange Strategy. And uh, yesterday and today are kind of football days uh, in this country. Uh, Now, in this particular area of the country, it's more yesterday. Uh, But uh, where I'm from, it's more on Sunday and uh, Monday night. 
I'm more of an NFL guy, but uh, I know that here in Oklahoma, it's more of a college football uh, area. Well, let's suppose, so I'm going to try to talk your language here a little bit. Let's suppose that yesterday, uh, Lincoln Riley, or uh, if you're of the persuasion of Mike Gundy, um, let's suppose one of these two men, uh, as they met with the team right before the game uh, to go over the game plan for the day, said this, okay, boys, here's what we're going to do. When we get the ball, when it's our turn to be on offense, here's the game plan. When we get the ball, we're going to hike the ball, and then we're going to play duck, duck, goose. Yeah, that's our game plan. And I don't want any argument. That's what we're going to do, duck, duck, goose. And uh, that, that absolutely is ridiculous. That makes no sense. That's not the way you win a football game. It's not a good offensive strategy at all. Um, it's actually a ridiculous game plan, and it would never work. Well, something very similar took place as the children of Israel were making their way into the promised land and came to a very fortified city named Jericho. Uh, Jericho was uh, really the first major city that they entered into in the promised land, and they had to get past Jericho if they were going to continue on uh, inhabiting the promised land that God had provided for them and had promised them. Uh, but Jericho was a town that was very hard, uh, very fortified, and I, as I said, and uh, very difficult to overcome. And the Lord gives a very strange strategy for defeating this fortified town that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And tonight we're going to uh, dive into that. Um, so Hebrews chapter 11, but we're also mostly going to be in Joshua chapter 6. So if you would turn your Bible over to Joshua chapter 6, because this is the record of what took place here as the nation of Israel is again inhabiting the promised land. They had crossed the Jordan River and it was time to uh, take possession of the land. Well, in order to do that, they had to uh, overcome some of these uh, towns and cities there. And, and so they come to Jericho and it's a it's a pretty uh, scary situation, uh, an opponent that is beyond them, and, and how are they going to defeat them? Well, the Lord gives them a pretty strange strategy, uh, and yet, as we all know, again, spoiler alert, I hope you still pay attention to the end of the message, but the walls of Jericho do come down, okay? Most of us already know that. But uh, here we go. Let's go ahead and jump into this uh, outline here if you'd like to take notes. Let's notice number one here this evening, God's promise. God's promise. Our Bible is open to Joshua chapter 6. And uh, let's look here in verse number 1 where the Bible says, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. So Jericho, uh, the people of Jericho knew that the children of Israel were coming towards them, and so they kind of closed the borders. That's a novel thought, right? Um, so they closed the borders, and uh, they said, hey, no one's going to come in, no one's going to go out, we're going to keep this place secure. Great idea. Uh, verse number two, but here's the promise, the Lord said unto Joshua, see, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor, and ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thou shalt do six days, and, uh, and on it goes. 
But verse number two gives us the promise that God had given Joshua here that he was going to give Jericho into the hand of, uh, of Joshua. And uh, if your Bible is open to chapter six, let's go back to chapter number one. And let's look at another promise that God gave Joshua. Joshua chapter one, verse one says this. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. And then here's some of the promises, the verbiage of the promise here that God said to Joshua early on as he took over for Moses that, hey, I'm going to give you the land. You just need to trust me. Verse number, two, verse number three, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Verse five, here's another part of the promise. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. So as Joshua kind of takes over as the leader of the children of Israel, as he leads them into the promised land, God says, look, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, I'm going to, you're basically invincible, Joshua, because I'm going to make a way for you and the children of Israel to uh, possess the promised land. Uh, no one's going to be able to stand in your way. And then as they face Back in Joshua chapter 6, as they encounter Jericho, they kind of look up and see these fortified walls and the city that is uh, all kind of closed up. And they're like, how are we going to conquer this? And so the Lord gives him another promise, a specific promise in verse 2. The Lord, in chapter 6, verse 2, uh, the Lord says, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. So, look, God promised that it was going to be done, and all Joshua needed to do was to trust and obey. Uh, we sang that song tonight, didn't we? Um, all he needed to do was to trust him and to move forward uh, by faith. Now, God's promises are as good as done. I mean, you can take them to the bank, even if, even if it looks grim and... Uh, very difficult. I mean, Jericho was not an easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy town to overcome. Ai, later on, that was an easy-peasy, lemon-squeezy, and yet they didn't because of Achan's sin. But, but Jericho was this very ominous, scary-looking town, and there's no way we're going to be able to do this. But look, God's promises are going to come to pass. Um, when God says something, it's going to happen, period. Um, God's promises are as good as done, and even if it looks grim and beyond what we think even the Lord can do, God can still do it. Uh, can I remind us tonight of a couple verses that tell us that it is impossible for God to do something? You say, wait a minute. Haven't you been preaching recently that God can do anything? Yes, He can, except for... He cannot lie. It is impossible, the Bible says, for God to lie. 
If you want to look with me to uh, Hebrews chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter number 6, and we'll be back here in Joshua chapter 6 in a moment. But Hebrews chapter 6, I just kind of want to show you and for you to see it for yourself in black and white, God's word that says it's impossible for him to lie. Hebrews 6 verse number 18. That by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. That phrase in there, it was impossible for God to lie. God, God's going to stay, God's going to stay true to his word. He's going to fulfill the promises that he has given us. Okay, another reference that mentions that is Titus, Titus chapter number one. So if you flip back a few pages to Titus, Titus in chapter number one, and verse number two. Titus chapter 1, verse 2 says, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. So the promises that He has given us will come to pass because God cannot lie. He will stay faithful to His word. And going back here to Joshua chapter number 6, as the Lord gives the promise to Joshua that, hey, I am going to give you Jericho. All Joshua needed to do was to trust. Even though it looked like this is a little scary, this is a little bigger than what we can accomplish on our own. Yeah, so that God would get the glory. Uh, somebody had a bumper sticker that said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Now here's the truth of the matter. Actually, God said it, that settles it whether we believe it or not. And uh, the promises of God's word are going to come to pass. I'm thankful for the promise tonight, the promise of eternal life, that those who place their faith in Christ have the assurance and promise that one day we'll spend eternity in a place called heaven for all of eternity. I'm thankful for that promise. I'm thankful for the promise that once I'm saved, I'm eternally secure in the beloved, uh, that I am safe in the hand of Jesus and then safe into the hand of the, of the Father. I and my Father are one, John chapter 10 says. I'm thankful for the promise of, uh, of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. And nothing is going to uh, stand in God's way of keeping His promises. And such is the case here as the children of Israel faces a pretty big foe named Jericho. And can I just encourage us tonight, too, with the uh, promises uh, of God? Don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. Don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. And so you read God's word, and in the light of his word, you read promises. Like Joshua here, here uh, heard the word of God, given him a promise that he was going and, and the nation of Israel was going to take Jericho. I mean, this was, in the, in the light of God's word, he heard that promise. Okay, when, when now when they're facing Jericho, and the walls seem really big and really thick and scary, don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. God's promises are going to come through. Uh, God will keep his word. So we see here, uh, first, God's promise, but then notice here, uh, God's plan. 
God's plan, Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 3, we come into the plan. Here God says to Joshua, Ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war. I mean, these guys are trained in battle. These guys, you know, know how to fight. And what are they going to do? You're going to walk around the city once. That's it? Like, seriously, that's... That's the game plan? I mean, I'm trained. I, I know how to use weapons. I, I'm a trained swordsman. I, I know how to shoot a bow. and I'm, a good, with, I'm good with a sling. And, and Nope. We're just going to walk around the city once. And you're going to do this six days. Verse 4. Seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times. And the priest shall blow with the trumpets. And then verse 5, God says, It shall come to pass when they uh, make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. That's the strategy. That's the military strategy to defeat this big fortified city to walk around the city once, every day for six days, and then on the seventh day, they're going to walk around it seven times. And then they're going to uh, play the trumpets and, and the ram's horns, and then the people get a shout. That's the big military strategy. Not exactly the military strategy you would expect to learn from West Point or the Naval Academy on how to defeat an enemy. But that's what the nation of Israel was given. That was, the, that was God's plan for them. Now, it brings up a couple thoughts regarding God's will that I wanted to uh, share with you tonight. Um, because God's plan for each and every one of us is not going to always uh, fit with whatever everybody else thinks. So here's a couple quick thoughts here tonight I want to share with you. First of all, God's will doesn't always make sense. It really doesn't. I mean, seriously, walking around the city and blowing some trumpets doesn't exactly sound like a very effective means of conquering a powerful city. It doesn't make much sense. Later on, Gideon and his 300... 300 men would blow trumpets, break their pitchers, and yell, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And that day there was a great victory. An army of 301 men defeated an army of 135,000 with a musical instrument, some broken pottery, and some yelling. doesn't exactly make sense. But God's will doesn't usually make sense in our lives. God's word and God's will doesn't always make sense Humanly speaking, um, as I was thinking about this, I was even thinking about the fact that God has, in his will for my life individually, has uh, placed me into full-time service, into the ministry. And uh, I remember thinking, Lord, remember when, 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 uh, when the Lord called me into the ministry, I remember it very distinctly, it was right before my junior year at West Coast Baptist College. Sorry, I... Please don't tell, Brother Copes. I'll uh, 
he'll be mad at me forever. Um, but uh, I remember distinctly, I was, I was reading uh, Exodus chapter, at the beginning of Exodus, Exodus chapters 3 and 4, when Moses was there at the burning bush and God had called Moses to uh, lead the nation of Israel out of bondage of Egypt. And uh, remember, Moses gave a bunch of excuses and reasons why he wasn't really the best candidate. He kind of tried to get out of it. And uh, I remember when the Lord, I, I remember reading when, when um, Moses said this, he said, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, but I am slow of speech and of a slow tongue. I remember reading that and going, yeah, that is me. That is me. I don't really feel like I have the talent. I don't really feel like I am eloquent. I, I know that there's other people who are better public speakers, who are smarter than I am, who are more spiritual than I am, who have more talent. I know that. And, uh, and yet the Lord has saw fit in his sovereign plan for my life to still say, yeah, I still want you to serve me. And, uh, and, I, and then I read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I realize a little bit why. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says this, Paul does, For ye, are, for ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called. As I thought about that, I was like, okay, well, yeah, I'm not wise, I'm not mighty, and I'm not noble. So, yeah, <laughs> I kind of fit that category. And then he says, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world. Yeah, I would probably consider myself a foolish thing when it comes to, like, naturally speaking, who would you want to be a pastor Mr. Organization, Mr. Administration, Mr. Uh, leader, Mr. Preacher. I'm none of any of that. Honestly. And, uh, and so the, the Lord has chosen the foolish things of the world that confound the wise. Good job. You voted in a fool <laughs> three years ago. And uh, I'm thankful you did. Uh, that I'm a fool? Okay. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure what, what the amen was there for. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, so God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and then God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And then here's the reason. Here's the reason. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So that I don't go home on Sunday nights going, well, I did a pretty good job today. You know what I do pretty much every Sunday night? I go home and I think, Lord, thank you for getting me through another Sunday. I don't know how you did it because... I just had barely five loaves and two fish to give, and somehow you uh, took that and multiplied it. And, uh, and I don't go home looking in the mirror going, I'm a pretty good pastor. I go home saying, Lord, I don't know what I would have done if you weren't there to help me, because I needed you today. I need you this week. And so it's not, that, not about me getting the glory, it's about him getting the glory, and that's why he chooses to do things that don't make sense so that he gets the glory. 
when Gideon and his 301 men won, Gideon didn't go, hey, we're pretty big, big stuff. No, it was, oh, Lord, thank you for seeing us through that. And here is the children of Israel go and uh, defeat Jericho. They can't go around going, yeah, we're pretty strong. We're pretty trained, militarily speaking. No, no, no. They said, God, it was a weird idea, but we did it, and you won the victory. So it doesn't always make sense. And, and the things within God's will doesn't always make sense to us. We're like, I don't really feel like I should be in this spot, but yet here I am. And it doesn't always make sense. And uh, also, God's will not only doesn't always make sense, but it isn't always easy. Now, walking around Jericho, and I was trying to research and find out exactly how big Jericho was, and, and no one really had a firm answer on it. But uh, it was small enough to where they can walk around it seven times in a day. And uh, the whole nation was having to do that. Um, now, uh, walking around though, and not only that, when they had to run around, walk around, they had to be quiet. They had to be quiet. I'm trying to find out where that is. Um, yeah, verse number 10, Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until I... Until the day I bid you shout, then ye shall shout. So as they were walking around the city, they all had to be quiet. Probably a good rule to have because everybody would be complaining, why are we doing this stupid thing, you know? This, what good is this going to do? I mean, yeah, we're getting our steps in for the day. My Fitbit's going off and I'm getting my steps in. My Apple Watch is giving me the little, you know, reward for getting my... Um, no, they had to be quiet. And uh, it's not always easy. Um, I, would, uh, I, would, I would guess in my mind's eye, and I don't know for sure that this happened, but I would guess that the inhabitants of Jericho were on the walls. Uh, the walls were wide enough for them to be on, and uh, they were probably watching the children of Israel walking around their city and probably making fun of them, mocking them. And it's not always easy to do God's will. Not everybody appreciates it. Not everybody understands it. So uh, not everybody respects it. And yet God's will needs to be done. It does require effort and sacrifice. I read about Adoniram Judson, a, a missionary. And uh, Adoniram Judson, when he graduated from college and seminary, he, he received a call from a, from a good church in Boston. And uh, they invited him and offered him a position to become an assistant pastor there in this kind of plush church. Well, everybody began to congratulate him for getting that wonderful offer. His mother and sister were rejoicing that he could live at home with them and, and do his life's work, still serve the Lord. But Judson shook his head and said, my, my work is not here. God is calling me beyond the seas. To stay here, even to serve God in His ministry, I would feel I would only be part in partial obedience, and I could not be happy in that. And although it cost him a great struggle, he left his mother and sister to follow that heavenly call. Judson's churches in Burma have had 50,000 converts, and the influence of his consecrated life is felt around the world even to this day. 
because he was willing to do something that was not easy and convenient. Here's a story that I read this week, Pierre Bartlett. He was a gunner in the fort of Mont Valorin during the Prussian siege of Paris. One day, he was standing by his gun when General Knoll, the commander, came up and leveled his glass at the Severus Bridge. Gunner, he said, do you see the Severus Bridge over there? Yes, sir, I do. Do you see that little shanty in a thicket of shrubs to the left? I see it, sir, said Pierre, starting to turn pale. Well, it's a nest of Prussians. Try it with a shell, my man. Pierre turned paler still. He sighted his piece deliberately, carefully, and then fired it. Oh, well hit, my man, well hit, exclaimed the general. But as he looked at Pierre, he was surprised to see a great tear running down the gunner's cheek. Oh, what's the matter, man? Pardon me, general, said Pierre. It was my house, everything I had in the world. He knew what he was called to do. He knew what he was supposed to do, but he knew it was going to not be easy to do that. But God's going to ask us to do some things in this life that are not always easy to do. And uh, walking around the city wasn't really the easiest thing to do. Obviously, uh, they were pretty safe walking around that city, and I'm sure they walked safe distance away from anybody trying to shoot arrows at them or catapults or anything like that that they had back then. But it wasn't always easy, and it's not going to always be easy in our life. But God's will, thirdly, is always the best possible option. Out of all the possible options in life, doing God's will is the best one. If somehow we had the ability, and we don't, Somehow we have the ability to look into the future and see our lives lived according to one, one, one option is that we live according to our own plan, our own, our own will. And then, and then we were able to somehow see our life lived according to God's will. And then we were able to see the eternal outcome of both and then to make a choice right now. Every time, every one of us would choose to live God's will, every one of us. Challenge is we don't have that opportunity. Uh, we can't see what those what the future beholds. You say, well, what if God's will for me is to die at a young age? I b firmly believe if you were able to see the eternal outcome of God's will, you would still choose that. I really believe that. So here's the deal. Right now, we have an opportunity to make the choice to live either according to our own will or according to God's will. What's it going to be? And here, the children of Israel, they, the best option they had wasn't to say, well, you know what, that's great, that's a great strategy and all, J Joshua, that you're trying to tell us what the Lord told you, but you know what, that's just too silly for me, we're going to do it a different way. They wouldn't have been able to defeat, defeat Jericho had they not done it God's way. See, God's will is always the best possible option. And then, uh, fourthly here, God's will requires trust and obedience. 
We sang the song a little bit ago, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. See, the, the word of God came to Joshua, and then Joshua told the people what the word of God said, and they had a choice. Are we going to trust the word of God and obey it, or are we going to think that this is just ridiculous, and we're going to do something totally different? They had a choice. They could either trust and obey or uh, unbelief and disobedience. What was it going to be? Well, I tell you what, the, world, the walls would have never come tumbling down had they not obeyed the word of God. Remember Joshua chapter 1? Uh, we looked there a moment ago. God promised Joshua in, in chapter 1, verse 7 and 8. There's a couple uh, promises here. He says, only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe. What are the next two words there? Anybody have it open there? To do according to all the law, which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. See, God's prosperity in Joshua's life was hinging upon his obedience and trust of the word of God. Verse 8, of course, most of us are familiar with verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe Here's those two words again, to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Only time in the Bible the word success is found is in conjunction with our trust and obedience to the word of God. You teenagers want to have a successful life. God's way, know what God's word says, and do God's word. Then thou shalt have good success. You say, no, no, I, I want success like money. I want to be famous. I want to have uh, just a wonderful cush life. That's success. No, God says, look, if you really want my type of success, you're going to need to know what God's word says and do what God's word says. So long as you trust and obey, you will have true prosperity and success, Joshua and the nation of Israel. John Kenneth Galbraith, in his autobiography, A Life in Our Times, illustrates the devotion of someone who is willing to be obedient. And uh, this was the devotion of Emily Gloria Wilson, his family's housekeeper. He said, it had been a wearying day, and I asked Emily to hold all telephone calls while I had a nap. Amen. Naps are a blessing. That's not the point of the story, but a great side note. Shortly thereafter, the phone rang. Lyndon Johnson was calling from the White House to talk with John Galabrath. And uh, Lyndon Johnson, President Johnson said, get me Ken Galabrath. This is Lyndon Johnson. Well, he is sleeping, Mr. President. He said not to disturb him. Well, wake him up. I want to talk to him. No, Mr. President, I work for him, not you. Well, 
Mr. Galabrath said this, when I called the president back, he could scarcely control his, control his pleasure. He said, tell that woman I want her here in the White House. <laughs> I want her working for me. Because here was a lady who understood her responsibility to obey and to follow the direction she was given. But uh, a lot of Christians don't always do that. Psalm 32 and verse number 8, if you want to flip over there real quickly. I'll take a little side trip over here. Psalm 32 and verse number 8. Here God says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. And then he says in verse number 9, Be ye not as the horse or as the broncos. So. Or as the mule, which have no understanding. Okay, mules are known to be very stubborn. Don't be like the mule who says, I'm not going to budge. Uh-uh. Maybe you give me a bigger carrot, then I'll think about it. Be not as the horse, as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. God says, don't be stubborn. Don't be... Uh, don't be like the horse or the mule that need to have a little ex extra push to get them to do what you want them to do. Look, we're believers. We should want to submit to the Lord. We should want to obey Him. He's worthy of our trust. He's worthy of our obedience. We know He's good. Let's not be like the horse or the mule. And so it does require, God's will does require trust and obedience. And it's not going to always be easy. It's not going to always make sense to you or to your family or to your friends. But as we said, it's still the best possible option. God's plan was a little strange. To walk around the city once a day for six days, and then on the seventh day, seven different times. And uh, Joshua added wisely, hey, everybody needs to be quiet. <laughs> No talking, no complaining, no griping, no murmuring, no gossiping. We're just going to be quiet. Walk around the city. But then number three here, let's look at not only God's promise, God's plan, but let's look at God's power here once again on display. We've been seeing God's power uh, just constantly as we've been going through these different messages. But Joshua 6 and verse number 20, here's what... Here's the end of the story. I'm kind of skipping some details here for sake of time. But verse number 20, so the people shouted. This is, after, um, this is after the seventh time they went around. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, people shouted with a great shout. Finally, they were able to talk. Finally, they were able to vocalize what they were thinking. Uh, the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat so that, that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. Remember God promised it would happen? Well, it did. And the reason that he, it did is because they trusted and obeyed the word of God. And God's power was released. So God is somehow able to, to use us despite our weaknesses and faults when we trust Him and obey Him. It's amazing to me. But that's the way it works within God's will. 
Psalm 20 and verse number 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we're not going to worry about all those things. We're going to remember the name of the Lord our God. I know there would be other nations who would think, you know what, we're going to need some chariots, we're going to need some horses, we're going to need some swords, we're going to need some nuclear weapons to defeat this city. But the nation of Israel said, actually, we're just going to remember the name of the Lord our God. We're not going to trust in all those things, we're going to instead trust in the Lord. And I want to encourage all of us this week to not trust in our bank accounts, to not trust in our health, to not trust in our experience, our talents, our abilities, but to keep our trust in the Lord because He's the one that brings the victory. Um, I am amazed how the Lord is able to use me. And, and uh, it's not like He's used me in this, you know, to me it's mind-blowing that God would use me for anything because I know me. I know my heart. I don't know my heart quite like the Lord knows my heart, but I know my heart, and I know that I am not, I'm a wretch. We talked about it this morning as we sang Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me. I, I know I'm a wretch, chief of sinners. Um, and yet the Lord would choose to use us as just an amazing blessing and uh, shows us God's power. Hebrews... Uh, Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. We'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this thought here. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 30, the, the verse that we all read together a few minutes ago. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. The writer of Hebrews here is trying to encourage his readers, which is you and I, to be willing to trust by faith the Word of God, even though we may face an enemy that is bigger than us, even though we may not, it, the, the plan that God gives us may not make sense. I mean, as we read God's Word about some of the things that He wants us to be doing, doesn't necessarily make sense. It's not always easy. But if we trust Him and obey Him, we'll see the Lord do great and mighty things. While it was a strange way to do it, it worked. I really believe that one of the reasons the Lord chose to have this particular strategy is because this way, Joshua doesn't go and pat himself on the back and say, I'm such a great military leader. It's, it's because he didn't want the children of Israel going, hey, we're pretty strong and mighty militarily speaking. No. This way, God gets the glory. And look, when we do God's will, God's way, guess who gets the glory? He does. And that is what it is all about. So tonight as we consider God's will for us, um, let's be willing to trust Him and obey Him. Okay? What is God's will for us? Very quickly, God wants us to be saved. He's willing that all should come to repentance. He, he desires that all men would be saved. Okay? So God has made a way. And it may not make sense to a lot of people, but it's the way of salvation. It's nothing we can do to earn it. Again, it may not make sense, but it's a free gift. It's the gift of God, eternal life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because it was Him who died on the cross for our sins. You say, well, that doesn't make sense, that whole... It's God's will. 
And if we want to see good success, we've got to do it God's way. So we know that God's will is that we'd be saved. We know that God's will is that we would live a pure life. Say, that doesn't really make sense in this day and age in which we live. I mean, you're not going to be very popular if you really do it God's way in that regard. So, trust Him and obey Him and do it anyway. Giving thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Does it make sense to give thanks when I'm going through a difficult time? We'll do it anyway, even though it doesn't make sense. Even though it isn't always easy, do it anyway. Submitting to authority. I, I don't know if I really can submit to authority or to my, uh, you know, if I'm a wife, submitting to my husband or um, if, you know, submitting to my parents when I don't understand. It doesn't make sense what they're trying to tell me what to do or not to do. It doesn't make any sense. Submit to authority anyway. Trust and obey. Reaching people with the gospel, we know that it is God's will that people would be saved and that you and I as believers would go out into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That doesn't really make sense. I mean, you know, people don't really want to hear it anymore. People don't really want to talk about that anymore. People aren't really open to that anymore. But we're supposed to still do it regardless of whether it makes sense or not whether it's easy or not. So God's will. And uh, not to mention what God's will individually, personally for you is. It's not going to always be easy. It's not going to always make sense. But it's still the best possible option for your life. And it's going to require some trust and obedience. And I hope that you will decide to indeed trust and obey and as the song says, there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this particular record of the nation of Israel defeating the town, the city of Jericho. And really, technically, it wasn't them that defeated it. It was you. But Lord, you used their trust and obedience to help them learn how important it is to trust them, to, to trust you and to obey you. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn that lesson tonight when it comes to the will of God for us. Help us, Lord, to not always worry about making sure it makes sense, but to worry first and foremost about trusting you and obeying you. And Lord, I ask that uh, you would help us, Lord, uh, in the different specific areas of life in which you are definitely leading and guiding. Help us, Lord, to be willing to trust and obey. And uh, Lord, to see you do a great work, not so that we get the glory, but most of all, so that you get the glory. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask the pianist to begin playing. And as she does, uh, I want to invite you to have just a time of prayer right there in your seat. Um, perhaps there's something specific that the Lord put in your mind, in your heart, about the will of God for you right now. That may not make sense, may not be easy, but you know in your heart of hearts that it is the best possible option. Ask the Lord to give you the strength to trust Him and then to obey Him. I'll be quiet as she plays and, and then we'll sing here in a few moments. <laughs>